Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time is most appropriate for you as you are tuning in. Welcome to a brand new day with Stephanie J. And it is a beautiful and glorious day because it is the day that the Lord has made. And I hope that you are rejoicing and I hope that you are glad about it. And I pray that you and your loved ones are having a good day. I am so happy to have another opportunity to share with you on this day. And it has been a good day. It started out a little rainy this morning and I had to go out and run a few errands and I was awakened out of a dream by my son Christian this morning who was yelling for my attention because he was uh, not feeling very well. And so I was basically shocked out of my sleep and I've pretty much been up since then and um, he's doing well. I made a pot of homemade soup when I came back in chicken soup, he's feeling a lot better. And so I thought I would take some time and do some podcasting. And so what I would like to do is keep with the theme of the last podcast, which was take it back where I talked about David going up to Keilah. And today I'm going to look at Ziklag. And many of you are probably familiar with the story. I want to jump right into it because it can get a little meaty. Before I look at the Bible verses, I'm going to share a little bit of what I found when I Googled Ziklag, and that spelling is capital Z-I-K-L-A-G. And it states, 1 Samuel 30 claims that by the time of David, the town was under the control of the Philistines, but subsequently was given by their king Achish to David, who at that time was seemingly acting as a vassal of the Philistines. David requested a place in one of the country towns and was awarded Ziklag, 
which he used as a base for raids against the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, which he conducted away from the oversight of Achish. David's reports to Achish state that he had been conducting raids on Saul's lands in southern Judah and on the Jeremelites. Biblical scholars argue that the town was probably on the eastern fringe of the Philistines' territory and that it was natural for it to be annexed to Judah when David became king. Since the compilation of the book of Joshua is regarded by textual scholars as late, probably being due to the Deuteronomist, it is possible that the tribal allocations given within it date from after this annexation rather than before. According to 1 Samuel 30, while David was encamped with the Philistine army, remember his enemies, for an attack on the kingdom of Israel. Ziklag was raided by Amalekites, the Amalekites burning the town and capturing its population without killing them. Scholars think this capture refers to enslavement. However, None of the archaeological sites which have been proposed to be Ziklag show any evidence of destruction during the era of David. In the narrative, when David's men discovered that their families had been captured, they became angry with David. But once David had sought divination from the ephod that Abiathar possessed, he managed to persuade them to join him in a pursuit of the captors as the divination was favorable. 600 men went in pursuit, but a third of them were too exhausted to go further than the Habisor stream. They found an abandoned and starving slave formerly belonging to one of the Amalekites who had raided Ziklag and having given him fig cake, raisin cake, and water, persuaded him to lead them to the Amalekite raiders. The slave led them to the camp of the captors and found the captors holding a feast and celebrating. Due to the size of their spoil, David's forces engaged in battle with them for a night and a day and ultimately became victorious. Now that's the picture that I want us to get. In life, we go through some things. There are battles that we face. There are battles that we sometimes have to engage in. Sometimes Depending upon the circumstances, we may not actually have to engage fully, but it does require some engagement and participation on our part. If you know anything about David's life, even from the age of a youth, David was engaged in some type of battle one way or another, and it started off with guarding his father's sheep and destroying lions and bears as they came up against the sheep. So 
although he was a shepherd in the field, he was being divinely trained for the warrior that he would one day become. And probably, as I've stated before in messages, David probably had no idea that one day he would be king. How many times do we fail to see past where we are? The Bible says, despise not the day of humble beginnings. Does not matter, as they say, where you start, it's how you finish. And so we do know and understand that uh, King's, King David's life was filled with troubles, filled with mountain days, filled with valley days, filled with victories, and then some defeats. And this story starts off representing what looks to be a defeat on his part. And so I just want to go a little bit in the 29th chapter before I get to the 30th and just give you a little bit of background on what is going on. 29 verse one says, now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Apec and the Israelites pitched by a fountain, which is in Jezreel. Two, and the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed on in the re-reward with Achish. Three, then said the princes of the Philistines, what do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, is not this David? the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which have been with me these days or these years. And I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me unto this day. For, and the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. And the princes of the Philistines said unto him, make this fellow return that he may go again to his place, which thou hast appointed him and let him not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle, he be an adversary to us. So basically they didn't trust David for wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? Should it not be with the heads of these men? Five, is not this David of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands and David his ten thousands? So see, they were fearful of him. We see this over and over again in scripture, over and over. And we see it, unfortunately, over and over again in our society. I do not want to go too deep in issues, but we know um, a lot of social unrest and a lot of racial tensions. People fear what they cannot understand. They fear what they cannot change. And so what's going on today, in my opinion, is nothing new. Isaac in the Old Testament experienced the same thing among the people of the land. And I cannot recall right now um, the people that were afraid of him. And they told him, you're too strong for us. Go away. The king sent him away. And so 
we see this being mirrored in the life of David. And then verse six says, then a Kish called David and said unto him, surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright and thy going out and thy coming in with me in the host is good in my sight, for I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming. And the Bible says that David behaved himself wisely before the people. He went in and out each day wisely. There was nothing found wrong in David. Uh, nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Now get this, that Lord's is lowercase, meaning the Lord's of the Philistines, but who David did have favor with was the Lord in all caps, L-O-R-D. So as I mirrored and said in the previous episode, if God be for you, who can stand against you? Seven says, wherefore now return and go in peace that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. Eight, and David said unto Achish, but what have I done? That sounds to me like the same thing that he said. Seems like David keeps running into these situations of not being wanted, being rejected. Do you remember when he went, when his father Jesse sent him to check on his brothers? And when he went down, everybody was cowering of under Goliath's call for someone to fight him. And when he heard what was being said, they were like, well, you know, uh, this giant, whoever defeats him, Saul will make their family free in Israel. And they was like, what? Are you really serious? And his brothers were like, you know, what are you doing coming down here? You just came down here to see the battle. You just being nosy. And David said, what? What have I done now? Is there not a cause? So we can even see from David's youthful years that he was a warrior in the making. And one of the things that I like to point out is the reason why David had such a different spirit, hence like Caleb and Joshua in the story that we talked about of them going to spy out the land, coming back with a good report from the other 10 um, David was not sitting around those, I believe it was like 40 days when he showed up. He was not sitting around day and night listening to the voice of the enemy. See, that makes a big difference. Whose voice are you listening to? And you need to stop and ask yourself that question. When you find yourself facing fears and experiencing fear and anxiety, are you listening to the news reports? Are you tuning in every day following social media? Are you listening to prophets of gloom and doom talking about what is going on in the world from the world standards? Or are you choosing to believe the Lord's report? Are you tuning into the word? Are you listening to inspirational messages? Makes a big difference. So when David showed up on the scene, Everyone else was cowering. They were listening day and night to the taunting of Goliath and what he was professing that he would do to them. And they were all fearful and afraid, including Saul. 
And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the living God? He said, hmm, I'll fight him. <laughs> and so we see that David was already a warrior, always showing up and ready for battle. So verse nine says, and Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God, notwithstanding the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. 10, wherefore now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee. And as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light depart. So he sent them away. 11. So David and his men rose up early to depart into the morning to return into the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So now we come into the story in chapter 30. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day. Hmm. Seems like things always happen on the third day. Does that ring a bell for anyone? On the third day, what happened after Jesus was crucified on the third day? The Bible tells us he got up from that grave. And I've experienced in my personal life uh, that third day resurrection. It was the third day that I took my son home from a bad fall. Um, in the hospital, I talked about how the doctors came in with this, this grim prognosis, you know, his, his, um, wrist is split and he has a concussion and he may have neurological damage and he might have to learn to walk again and all of these things. And on the third day, I took him home. So um, it says on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the South and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire to and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Three, so David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. For then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. See that even warriors cry. All of this stuff about men don't cry. Men are made to, to feel like you need to be strong. You need to be a man. Men don't cry. That's not true. David was as much of a mighty, powerful warrior man than, than anybody that we can look back on. All throughout scripture, you see uh, such wonderful feats of David before and after kingship. And he cried. And the Bible tells us that he cried when his son died. We see David in vulnerable states, but that did not make him any less of a man. And then even after the fact, we see that he got up and he handled his business. So it's all right, men 
cry. I, I even had to tell my father that at my mother's funeral, I actually had to give him permission. He was sitting there trying to hold it in. And I just leaned over and I said, that's your wife up there. It is okay to cry. It's, it's okay to release it. You don't have to be strong for me. And he let it out some. And so, you know, if you need permission, I'm giving you permission. Go ahead and release that load on your shoulders. I don't know why we expect men, be it leaders, you know, especially our leaders, politicians, we expect them to hold the weight of the world on their shoulders. We expect them when they come into office to be responsible for everything, to be able to do everything. They're mere men. They are human. They, they are not perfect. That's why the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. Now that's just a little sidebar. And it says in five and David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. Six, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Talk about pressure. The situation is already bad enough. He was just sent away from war. And look at the divine timing of that. If he had stayed, and, and fought with the Philistines, who knows what would have happened? Who knows if they would have ran into someone to be able to tell them where the camp was, where their family was being held. We don't know all of that, but I do know that God in his providential care kept David's family and allowed him to be sent away at that time to go and recover what was taken. And so that's what we're talking about. Take it back. But this time now we're talking about Ziklag. The difference now, Kila wasn't uh, destroyed or in ruins or burned, but Ziklag was. And so there may be situations in your life where it just seems impossible. There have been situations in my life where it seemed impossible. I've had some seasons that I thought would never end. I had some seasons in my life that I thought I would not make it through. Things were really bad. Things were really dark. And I did not know. And oh my goodness, you talk about crying. I understand what verse four is talking about. I used to tell people this. I used to cry so much that I thought I had no more tears. I thought that my tear ducts dried up. I mean, I weeped through the night and the Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It says they wept until they had no more power to weep. How about that? That is a feeling of de defeat. That is a feeling of despair. There, there are times when I felt like, God, where are you in all of this? The enemy comes. Those are the times you have to be so careful. That is when the enemy comes to speak, to whisper. Has God really said, you better be careful. He deceived Eve that way. Those same little words, he's still marrying. And then when he comes, when it's already a hopeless situation and he starts to whisper through people, he starts to whisper through television, through media, through phone conversations, through news, through um, various outlets, social media, people are talking about all kinds of stuff and it gets people's minds distracted and, and, and causes people to lose sight. And he says, has God really said, 
that he would always be with you? Has he really said that he would never leave or forsake you? Because it looks like you're pretty alone right now. What are you going to do about it? You know what? You need to do ABC. You need to go ahead and take that drink. Go ahead, make that phone call. It's okay. Nobody will know. Go ahead and just let it out. Go ahead and indulge, but you better be careful because there are some people, and I won't name names. Some of it has been very public and very tragic, but there have been people that have gone back or gone out to indulge in things. And some of them thought it would be the last time before they got themselves together and they did not make it back. To this day, many of those people are dead and buried. So we better be careful what road we're on. We better be careful what voice we're listening to. And so let's see what David did in this hopeless situation, this situation of utter despair, where the Bible tells us they wept men. Now, these are men, 600 valiant men, warriors going out, killing, taking cities, they're weeping because what they had was taken. They came home to find what was once there was now gone and the city was in ruin. Everything was burned up and no sight of their loved ones. They were taken captive. Oh yes, that is a hopeless situation or so we think. So the middle of verse six says, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. All right, I have a little question there. It's a little sidebar. What about the wives? <laughs> the wives were taken too. Come on, what's up with that? Every man for his sons and for his daughters? Come on, we wives, we hold it down. Who's cooking your meals and, you know, holding you up and supporting you? Which, what you mean, the sons and the daughters? But anyway, that's just Stephanie J being Stephanie J. But verse seven says, and David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. Now look at David in distress, crying until he had no more power to produce any tears. He didn't go out and do anything rash or crazy or hasty. He didn't go get a drink. He didn't call up anybody. Um, he didn't hook up with anybody. He told the priest once again, as we can see that this is habitual for David. So this is a man who truly walked with the Lord. God was not a uh, last resort, and he was not an afterthought. He said, bring me that ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And if you don't realize it, I'm usually reading from the King James translation. Eight says, and David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now think about that for a minute. Just a few minutes ago, they were in a hopeless situation. They returned home from war to find their home burned and all of their loved ones gone, all of their 
you know, possessions gone and they're in the camp of the enemy. And when David came to himself after releasing, you know, what he was feeling and to make matters worse, all of the men wanted to stone him because they're blaming him. They're like, this is your fault. We're out here following you and our home is unguarded and we come back and our families are going. And so David went to the Lord and right away, look, it's like a snap of a finger right away, even in the midst of it. That's why they used to say, you know, you don't have to wait until the battle is over. You can shout right now. Now, nothing really changed. I'm going to stop this right here in a few because my time is running down and I'll pick it up again. Nothing really changed in that moment. They were still in the same situation. Their family still were not there. Everything around them was still burned down and in ruins. But that word from the Lord came because he had sense enough and wisdom enough to inquire of the Lord. Hey, what should I do here? The Lord said, yeah, go ahead and pursue them. It wasn't over. They still had a responsibility. They still had to battle. They still had to war. They still had to do the work to go and recover. See, God is not just going to snap his fingers and release everything from the sky like we're taught to believe. So just that word right there was enough to change this circumstance. And so we're going to see in the next episode how it worked out. And so I'm here to encourage you as this is closing out. If you have a word from the Lord, as I do, hold on to that joke that, that um, I'm thinking about uh, Joseph, hold on to that word like Joseph did in a prison for 13 years. It may have been a long time for you as it has for me, but you need to know and understand that the word of the Lord is sure. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. So remember that as you get ready to go and take it back. Go and take back what was stolen, what was destroyed at the zigzag, zigzag in your life. Know that the Lord is with you and I'll speak with you again soon.